Warning, we're going to be discussing events for currently running weekly anime. If you want to avoid spoilers for certain shows, there are timestamps in the description. Welcome back, everybody, to the Time Sync Anime Podcast. What I'm kind your... of voice is that? <laughs> it's like a cheesy announcer, like um, uh, in Whose Line, you know? The, uh, please accept my condolences! <laughs> <laughs> How's it going, everybody? And welcome back to the Time Sync Anime Podcast. I'm Jay, and this is my co-host, Rex. Hello. I, I wonder, like, how that voice could be used in, in in situations to make people feel better. You feel like you're like in a hospital, and uh, and the doctor's like, uh, "Sir, I'm sorry. Uh, I have some bad news for you." But I'm not going to tell yeah. you. I'm have this <laughs> guy tell you. And like, you, you got stage two cancer. <laughs> Congratulations! <laughs> Congratulations! You've won two months of painful chemotherapy. <laughs> Wow, I actually feel kind of bad. Oh, <laughs> we're starting, yeah, we're, this is really dark. Um, so anyway, week seven, I was about to say spring. Week seven, summer 2019. Yeah, summer 2019. Yeah. Uh, so I've been, um, I have on my desk, I borrowed the Brawly movie recently from a friend, mm-hmm. like two weeks ago, I think. And every weekend I'm like, man, I should really watch that. Uh, like, I was just sitting there. Is this going to be the inspiring story of how you finally overcame all adversity and finally <laughs> watched it? Or is it yeah, going to no. be how you're a lazy, <laughs> or is it going to be how you're a lazy piece of shit and you uh, still haven't watched it? Yeah, it's, it's just, it's still there. The Blu-ray sitting on my desk. Every time I open my door, I'm like, hmm. Yep, that's still that's there. Still there. <laughs> <laughs> so, so judgmental. I feel like it's, it's judging me. Yeah, like, eventually, like, it just, like... You, it'd be hilarious if you like um, uh, if you like open the door and it'd be like changing positions and stuff yeah. like in um, the Weeping Angels from Doctor yeah, Who. Yeah. <laughs> like all of a sudden, like you blink and it's like right in front of you. It's like oh shit! <laughs> yeah, everyone's really good. Um, I mean, obvious blah 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 voice actor issues aside. Okay. Yeah, yeah, we're uh, we're not going to go into that. That would really take away from the enjoyment uh, of the movie for me. But, um, uh, yeah, we just had well with like the moving we've been doing and I haven't been able to watch as much anime. As we have wanted to this season already, yeah. <laughs> um, it's just it's just hard to get around to the time to watching that, and also just kind of being like I don't know about you. I personally also been distracted by other things. Like yeah, with uh, with us wanting to move to a new place and stuff like that. But then I recently fell back into the hole that is Fire Emblem, mm-hmm. not the new Fire Emblem, mind you, which is out right now. Um, I. Like, I've been playing one of the older Fire Emblems and bashing my head against the wall trying to beat the same damn mission for a few days. It, it, how, how have you been playing it? Like, on a GBA with a legit uh, legal cartridge? No. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I've uh, I've been using an emulator, I'll admit that for this. It's like a, um, it's like an alcoholic anonymous meeting. Yeah. Hello, I'm Jay. I've been using emulators illegally for five years now. Hi, Jay. <laughs> but, yeah. uh, that's that's kind of funny because I'm playing the new one. I'm playing Three Houses on my Switch right now. Yeah. And uh, it's just kind of funny that we're both kind of binging a lot of Fire Emblem from different generations. Yeah, yeah. Because, uh, but we're nowhere near, um, uh, we're nowhere near the level of binging this oh game as God. one of our other friends. <laughs> yeah, that that's just too much for that, me. Like... I like Fire Emblem. Don't get me wrong. I like Fire Emblem a lot, actually. But I have, I haven't played every game in the series. Yeah. But so, so the game's been on like two weeks, or three weeks, something like that. Like I two, mean, three weeks. I mean, three weeks. Uh, the game's been out for three weeks. Uh, we have a friend that's 
Yeah, I think he has like over a hundred hours on it. He's beaten two of the storylines. Which Jesus Christ, that's like man. nothing but Fire Emblem. Yeah, I mean, I, call me a casual, but I, I have a hard time spending that much time on any one thing. Like, I'd say like the closest I've come to doing that is Persona. Oh God, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think we talked that about that a, a while back when it was out. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> spent so much time on that. Yeah, but uh, on a related topic to uh not being able to watch enough anime or as much anime as we we meant to because you know all the things uh we're not going to be doing our mid-season review this season because we haven't really watched enough stuff yeah like, exactly. i've watched i'm caught up on everything we're talking about um but also i'm caught up on demon girl next door and uh grandma, grandma. yeah, yeah. Yeah, we were talking about this a little bit before we uh, started recording. And you're caught up on nothing, nothing. besides yeah, besides the six shows. And I've been uh, and I've been like uh, chunking away actually at like Kimi no Totoke, the second season, which I'm mm-hmm. really enjoying. It's a pleasant little show. I like it so far. So I uh, news this week. I've only got one thing that caught my attention, and it's uh, Toonami is going to be premiering Doctor Stone on August 24th. Awesome. Which is uh. Uh, I mean, it's a cool little tidbit of information, but it brings up an interesting talking point of that Toonami has been getting more and more anime as it's releasing, like, really quickly. Uh, people were thinking that Toonami was going to come back and just kind of be this fringe thing that people would watch every Saturday or whatever and just kind of got a cult following. Yeah. But they're getting seasonal anime as it's airing. Mm-hmm. It, it's it, it's pretty nuts, actually. Yeah, no, that's a, that is a really good point. I even didn't stop to consider that because... I was one of the people who, uh, who when they announced that Toonami was coming back, like, or they thought about it when they announced that as an April Fool's joke, I was like, okay, Toonami was such a big part of my childhood. I was one of the, like, thousands of people, I'm sure, mm-hmm. who um, emailed, uh, basically Signed saying, the petition. Bring, yeah, bring Toonami back. I'll admit that uh, I didn't actually have... I didn't have cable and stuff like that, so I haven't been able to watch as much Toonami. Yeah, despite- I, I don't watch it either. I, I just I'm really glad it exists oh, because me it's too. great for the Western anime. A- absolutely, Toonami Toonami got a lot of people into uh, anime, and I'm glad that it actually. It's interesting to see something that was so revered in our childhood actually come back and come back strong. better than ever. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I, I wonder if they stream it at all because I think I'd probably be interested in just like turning on a stream or something on Saturday because yeah. I, I don't fucking watch cable anymore. Yeah. I watch, like, Netflix and YouTube and Crunchyroll. And, yeah, I'm one of those dirty millennials who's killing yeah. the cable industry. <laughs> even, uh, though yeah. I use, even though I use internet, cable sure internet. The cable industry killed themselves by yeah. getting too cocky about... They're like, oh, people will never stop using cable. <laughs> Let's just keep putting fucking bills on bills on bills. It's sort of like uh, it's sort of like that episode of South Park. Have you seen the one about the ca- that was making fun of cable companies? No. So basically what happens is... Uh, because, the gener- because a lot of people who have ever had to deal with... Uh, cable companies usually will call in customer service and the customer uh, and cable companies will not care. Um, this has been a kind of a long running joke. So South Park where the customer service, they would have like a guy saying, Oh, your cables got fuzz. Huh? That's too bad. It shows like the guy on the other. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. That, that thing. Yeah. And then uh, there was a, another comedian, uh, John Caparulo was talking about that. It's like, yeah, we can't come out tonight. We can come out on Monday between 10 a.m. and Thursday. You're going to be home? <laughs> yeah, it's... I, cable is the thing of the past. Yeah. To, in my opinion. But, uh, yeah, I'm glad that Toonami is doing super well. Because they have... Uh, 
they promise never, or they got promised Neverland. Promise Neverland still going right now? I don't know if it's still going, but they that was a big deal when it came out. Well, well I know they have Fire Force and Doctor Stone right now. Yeah, as currently running shows. I think they have the gold. I think they're running JoJo's Golden Wind at the moment. Uh, that wouldn't be surprising because they ran pretty much every other thing of JoJo. They, they might not though. Don't 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 quote me on that. Now, if they now if they do, just leave a comment. Yeah. Like if you guys are watching Toonami, just let us know. We are actually very interested to see what's happening in Cable Land. But anyway, so enough of our uh, ranting and raving about uh, about various shit that doesn't matter. Let's get into the shit that does matter. Starting us off, Demon Slayer. This was a this was a great follow up, I think, to a really really climactic episode. Like, yeah, it was a good wind down. Yeah, I and think. that's what it feel, and that's what it feels like. It feels like a kind of winding down of the arc, mm-hmm. really. Because like they did a really good job, still putting in enough action in this episode, but it was like it it, it was ramping like down a little bit. Yeah, because obviously that last uh, climactic freaking amazing episode yeah i i think we're not uh we're not splitting any hairs here or making any controversial statements um i'm pretty sure everybody agrees with this sentiment even if you haven't watched the show i'm sure there's a few uh contrarians who are like um uh, it's actually not that great yeah no fuck those people like like all right you, it's UFO table. They've they've kind of maybe gotten a little bit of a hype, a little bit of hype behind like how gorgeous their animated set pieces are and stuff like that. But yeah, this most mm-hmm. recent episode it seems almost to be universally loved. But this most recent episode just feels like a a nice winding down for yeah. what we've been. I, I will say right away that this is the first demon flashback that I've been genuinely really interested in, and I think that's because we we've got to see more of this character the the youngest spider guy yeah, yeah Rui. uh and it's just because most of the time the flashbacks are just like he cuts off their head play flashback yeah uh like it, we didn't really get a chance to know and know them at all uh and uh it's also interesting that like it was it, it was relate relating to what recently happened it wasn't just like oh back before i became a demon now and i will say that the, those uh that those before i think were kind of more to highlight tandro in his uh in his compassion for other demons more than uh, highlight the demons themselves i think and because because the first one that got like the the really big demon that got on uh on the mountain where they did their training or when they first became a member the of the demon all the hands yeah exactly and he cut his hand off and then basically it was that little flashback and him just holding out his hand and then tanjiro basically reaching out for his hand and holding it like his big brother would that's that was more i think to show tanjiro's compassion more than anything else which i personally liked it they but this is the first time we've ever had like a really like in-depth story about like just how screwed up demon society can be at times like and the fact that we're showing it through the not the perspective of Rui himself but somebody he directly associated with it kind of makes it a little Mm. bit more uh nuanced I guess because we'd already kind of known what Rui's motivations and stuff were already from like context clues and how he acted here we got to see like direct like direct those actions in play like how he went about it why exactly he went about it stuff like that it didn't like it didn't narrate over them for us though but it was but they still showed us a pretty interesting and pretty messed up story like the scene when he's like okay time to add the finishing touches and he basically like rips off Uh, her face yeah it's pretty hard to watch yeah and then anytime he just gets pissed 
anytime they revert back to their natural form, that's that's just really yeah. disturbing. I, I thought they told us just enough. Yeah, exactly. About the whole situation. Um, Shinobu. Oh one my, my one god. One of my new favorite characters. Shinobu is fucking scary. Uh, the voice actress, I, I don't remember her name off the top of my head, but she does such a good job of being this like, saying really creepy things in a very happy-go-lucky tone. See, and that's the that's the thing about Shinobu. Like, I think she earnestly believes 100% of the things she's saying. Yeah. Like, she, like, legitimately... I think on some level, she legitimately wants to get for demons and humans to be able to get along. But... But first they have to go through... But first they have... <laughs> but first, repenting. Yeah, and I think... And she 100% believes that. And I think that's what makes her so fucking scary. Yeah. Well... You know, that and being able to apparently create a poison by yourself. Yeah, well, no, she... I don't think she makes it herself. She makes it with the help of her swordsmith. Well, no, that's that's how she hid it in his... That's how she got it in her hilt. She uh, was the one who originally devised the poison. Oh, yeah, she's a, a pharmaceutical... Yeah, she's whatever. a pharmaceutical expert. Yeah, as, as she clearly said, I think, multiple times. Yeah. Um, I think that, that was a really good way to bring her in to save... Um, Zenitsu? Zenitsu, yeah. Oh, that, yeah. And that is really cool how they went about it. I also love the effect of her, of her cloak when she was moving around really quickly, how it did look like a butterfly, like, Mm -hmm. flapping about. That was really fascinating shit. Yeah, I think there's, part of her illusions probably have something to do with her cloak itself. Mm -hmm. I I think it's probably just her cloak and moving really fast that makes it look like there's, like, butterflies around. Yeah, it's kind of like a, um, uh... It's kind of like a gypsy moth and how they tr- how they scare the fuck out of birds with their uh, the pattern their wing yeah. pattern on their back. It's kind of like that same kind of principle anyway. And she's the the bug breather, so to speak. Yeah, bug breathing. Yeah, which apparently there's even more types. Like I'm not disappointed. It's actually a pretty interesting way of going about it, but it's like how do they come up with some of these breathing types because there are the obvious elements, mm. uh fire, earth, wind, fire, earth, wind and air are and water. But then you have Thunder, which I was like, okay, that's cool. But then there's Bug. It's like, the hell? I love it. It's a really cool power system. No, I like it too. I'm not saying that I don't. I'm just like, huh, that's interesting. And it does give some variety. Mm -hmm. And and I really like that there is uh, the people that use the breathing techniques. And then there's a demon that uses blood arts. Yeah. Which is a demon blood arts, I think they're called. Yeah. Which is really cool. Uh, It makes me kind of curious to see if there's... Maybe going to be a character later on that uses, like, demon blood breathing or something. Hmm. That'd be pretty kick-ass. Yeah, no, that would be pretty kick-ass. Like, uh, I don't know... Like, I don't know everything about this series. Like, I I looked up some of the stuff just so I could remember... Uh, so I could remember these characters' names. Like, hmm. Shinobu being one of them. And then... Uh, uh, Tomioka, I believe the other the other character, the the water breathing guy. Yeah, um, yeah. the one who basically more or less recruited Tanjiro. Yeah, I think bringing Shinobu and um. What's his name? Tomioka, I think. Tomioka. Yeah. Bringing those two in was a really good power, like a, a reveal of power. Because we have um, the main character. Yeah, we have Tanjiro. Tanjiro. Who, who is proven to be strong. Yeah, and really strong and, and really smart. And he thinks through things. But by bringing these two higher level people, it, it just kind of shows how much more he has left to go. Yeah, it, it's a really good way of uh, it's a really good way of theming, especially considering uh, Tomioka has the uses the same type of breathing he does. It's kind of like uh, it's kind of like uh, Egoraptor's sequelitis when he's talking about Mega Man X. Like the whole thing is basically becoming like zero. Like this is how strong. Yeah, he this can is become. like that's what Tanjiro's going to be. Yeah, exactly. It's 
it's really cool how they do that. And I want to just say that Tomioka's perfect calm technique was spooky. Mm-hmm. Like, just like how everything just goes, like, kind of quiet and sort of dead, it feels yeah, like. and it's incredibly minimalistic move, uh, maneuvering. Yeah. He just kind of just steps up to him and just cuts his head off, like, really slowly. It, it kind of reminds, like, really slowly, but really quickly, too. Like, it's kind of a weird contradiction. Like gently. Yeah, like, just... It's kind of like when, uh, when Tanjiro, uh decapitated the mom oh yeah yeah that's right um the thing about that is it reminded me like you've seen bleach before at least the earlier episodes before it completely went to shit it kind of reminded me or this whole sequence reminded me a lot of when uh ichigo first met renji and byakuya and uh then byakuya quote unquote killed him and he basically like hit him twice one time severing like severing his uh soul chain in one of those strikes and it didn't even look like he moved at all. It just reminded me of that. And I thought yeah, it was so really it's like cool. when they, like you, they draw their sword and put it back. And you <laughs> see what yeah, exactly. Yeah, that. it was really well animated too because I think there's uh, it's really hard to do that well mm-hmm. because it'll like it, if you do it bad, it just looks like they didn't do anything. Like yeah, oh, they pulled the sword and put it back. But you really have to put just enough motion in to really um, simulate like oh wow, I I I think he just did something, but I didn't see it. Yeah, because he's moving that quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, this this just feels like a really appropriate place to kind of uh, wind down the arc. I think uh, next episode will be the official conclusion to it, so to speak, because... This was episode 20? Yeah. I believe, and there's 24. Uh, yeah, so, so maybe there's enough for a three-episode three episodes or more or so? I think it's... I don't know how they can how they could just make the, the next four episodes just, like... Slice of life calm kind of thing. Yeah. I think the So Rui is probably dead. Yeah. Which that was fucking cheap when we figure out that. Oh yeah, I cut my own head off. Yeah, like and I put it back on with spider strength with the spider strength. It feels reasonable. No, it does, but I'm just like but I'm just like, oh, that's so disappointing. Because after that epic like after that epic display from Tanjiro, it just is like, oh man, that's that's just rough. Like, after such a satisfying climactic moment, it's like, mm-hmm. it's Victor, like, you're, it's basically snatched from you at the last possible second. Yeah, so I don't know, I, I don't know what they're gonna do. I, I think they might put in another, uh, tiny, there's, there's gonna be another, I think, action part in yeah. these next four episodes. Maybe it's like, gonna be, like, training or something. Probably, like, they're probably gonna end up getting their swords fixed. Oh, yeah, that's true. I forgot yeah. his sword is broken. Oh, yeah, both their swords are broken. Yeah, but... Um, not Zenitsu. <laughs> Zenitsu's sword, I think, is still functional. Yeah, just um, Inosuke and Tanjiro's swords. Are well, to be fair, them. Inosuke's swords were always broken, but yeah, like saw blades. Yeah, exactly. So next up is Doctor Stone. So I'll get this out of the way. I'll get this out of the way first. I'm kind of going to miss the fact that uh, Taiju isn't as part of a driving force of the narrative at the mm-hmm. moment, because like. I legitimately enjoyed what Taiju contributed to the series. Like they, like the two of them as a duo had good chemistry. Their banter was really engaging and fun. And what they represented as a team was, I think, just a fascinating dynamic. It was a, it yeah, was a cool it was dynamic. The brains and brawn boiled yeah. down to like the simplest. Yeah, and it was. Mm. I really personally liked it. It was a cool concept. That being said, the new cast of characters they're bringing in. Holy crap, are they a lot of fun. Yeah, I do believe we talked about this already, but yeah. in the manga, there was the point where it, the, the series was about to fail. Uh, so 
Taiju was originally a main character, but mm-hmm. he's just like, okay, Senku's much more interesting. We're going to make him the main character and completely change the story. Yeah. Uh, and this is the point where they did that in the manga. They had uh, those characters separate mm-hmm. while still keeping Taiju and uh, Yuzuriha. Like, they separated in a, a really well-done way. Yeah. Because like, he, he sent them off to not have to put them in the story anymore. Probably not very much anyways. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, Maybe they'll bring him back later. Yeah, Maybe but he, but he didn't just throw it. them away. He was yeah. like, okay, you guys go here. This is your job. Because now that uh, Tsukasa yeah. thinks that Tanjiro is, or not Tanjiro, <laughs> Senku. Senku's dead, then they can just go there and be like, yeah, he's dead. We're just going to join you. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and this, while I did really enjoy Taiju and Senku's um, banter, and I, their I think friendship. We're, what we're losing is less than we're gaining because Ow. this whole cast is just looks so good. So, and special note, and I think... I think this, like everybody on Kitsu agrees with this. Special note to Chrome. Chrome is yeah. <laughs> a lot of fun. He's basically like sort of, he's more or less uh, Taiji's replacement. He's similar, mm. but different. He has that same kind of personality. And, yeah, he's kind of, he's kind of a goofball. He's not like, he isn't com- the most bright, but, or anything like that, but he's very high energy and just a lot of fun, but they're similar, but they're also different because this is a kid who, because whereas uh, Senku and Senku and Taiju were more like old friends, which they illustrated that constantly with how they bantered, this is kind of more similar to a to what what I personally think sort of a master apprentice sort of situation. Oh yeah, that's definitely how it's going to happen. Or or as other people are pointing out, it's more of a big brother little brother type situation with Senku being the big brother because it is like I'm going to show you everything I know, little bro. Pretty much. Yeah, I I loved how Senku put it when he's saying, uh, Sukasa, you can go ahead and kill me, but some stupid kid is just going to come up and try everything. And he found that stupid yeah. kid who tried everything. <laughs> There's always some idiot who will try anything. <laughs> yeah, that yeah. is true. That is, I hadn't even considered that. That's a really yeah. good point. And, and it was really interesting how when Senku sits him down and tells him everything about like science before the whole stone of it. Yeah. He didn't take any moment to say like, that's silly or how could that happen? His he, immediate knee jerk reaction was how could we lose all that science? Yeah. He like, he was absolutely 100% enthralled by it. Like he, like he was just waiting. Like it was sounded like such, so distant, but so amazing and so possible. And he broke down crying mm-hmm. because he just thought it was such a, a beautiful and amazing concept. And how could we lose that? That was such a, it was such a cool moment. And plus the fact that it was mainly just music and visual storytelling, like him basically cataloging like all the major events that happened, like us going to the moon and stuff Mm -hmm. like that. Just all those little things. It was a really good example of visual storytelling done well here. And Chrome is is an easily enjoyable character. And so is a ninja girl. I don't remember her name right off yeah. the top of my head. <laughs> she walks up. He's like, "Oh, well, you want to fight here? You got two on one. I mean, you got an advantage." Yeah. <laughs> and they're like, "Nope, we're getting out she of this." So much of a badass she is. Yeah, she. I I really like her. I am uh, her older sister, or older twin sister. Older sister. Yeah. But they look like twins. They look about the same age. So maybe. Maybe one was born before the other because, I mean, that's relatively common. Yeah, or it's anime. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's true. Um, I like how she's the priestess, and there's a very clear goal of what Senku is trying to do here and how he's going to do it. Mm-hmm. It's like the priestess, the priestess is sick, and she is convinced she's going to die. So I'm going to make antibiotics. I 
I have a question from like a scientific perspective. So you know how diseases mutate? Yeah. And and uh, and they change. It's been fucking was like two hundred thousand years. Uh, thirty seven hundred. Thirty seven hundred years. Yeah. Uh, the medicine he knows to fix like the common cold or whatever. I feel like it might require different things. Possibly, but there's also I guess antibiotics are kind of a catch all. Yeah, I mean, on top of that, antibiotics are more to solve bacterial and not viral infections. Yeah, that's true. Um, but that being but that being said, I think that uh, the problem is virus, like bacteria and viruses, will adapt according to their surroundings. If humans have kind of been largely taken out of the equation and they have no way of actually surviving anymore, they might just die off and things might change. Sure. Also. Like, antibiotic strain, like, it's complicated, but uh, there are antibiotic-resistant strains of viruses because we overused antibiotics on some mm. things, like tuberculosis. It's just like, oh, you've got tuberculosis? Here, have some antibiotics. Here, have some more antibiotics. And we thought we'd wiped it out. We didn't. They And then they came back with a strain that was antibiotic-resistant. Yeah, so I'd be really interested in seeing if he's just going to be able to make a medicine that's going to work on the first try, or if it's going to be more of a trial. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I'm curious about that too. Knowing, like, I don't imagine it's going to uh, work right out of the gate. Mm. Like, and I imagine that Chrome is probably going to be his uh, test dummy because he's already kind of admitted to trying some of these plants and stuff on himself. Probably not by ingesting them directly. Probably by doing what they what they showed us in Are You Lost by pra- yeah, placing it on their, yeah by yeah. placing it on their skin or something, which. I imagine that's what he did. Like you try everything. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I guess we'll see. So next up on our list, Fire Force. I was so, not a fan um, of this episode. Yeah, it was. They, they they hit a couple cool notes. It was a the the best way I can describe it is it's is the setup was like a raging inferno. The payoff was like a sizzle. It was like yeah. sizzling embers. Yeah, because they they built up a Hibana. As I really, I was really interested when she was uh, discussing with with the sister. Yeah, talking about how like uh, her her faith pretty much just left. Yeah, when everyone caught on fire, but yeah. she survived, and it was building her up as this really badass, crazy character, and I, I really, really liked it. Yeah, uh, but they threw all that out the window at the end of the episode, where they're like, "Ha ha, you beat me. I like you now." Yeah, I think that. I personally felt there was like no reaper. That's the biggest problem. I wouldn't have minded like the idea that she is potentially going to reform now, like that she got her ass kicked. If there were actually some legitimate consequences, like her like going away for a while or something to reflect on her actions, going to prison or something or something like that, like just some consequences. But there were like no consequences. and It feels kind of not earned like a heel turn like this does not feel earned at this point yeah like just based on what we've seen on top of that like on top of that the fact that iris had almost nothing to do with actually beating her and shinra just like and i know this is a shonen battle series but shinra managed figuring out a way to beat her just felt like way too much shonen bs yeah like i'm just like oh i'm using my thing to to make you dizzy and he's just like well oh it's all in my head through it i guess yeah it just it just felt like total shonen bs and unlike like and we talked about this a little bit unlike like early episodes of index where it was mainly toma stalling for time until he figured out Mm -hmm. how they fought and how their abilities were and kind of like figuring out how to get that one punch in figure out how he can get close enough that it, there, it wasn't so much that as him just going, oh, 
that's how it works. Oh, I guess I know immediately how to counter it. It yeah. wasn't him like stalling for time. This was like a bad version of that. Yeah, exactly. It, which he's it, just like, oh, I'm gonna say a few things to get you off balance and then punch you. Or Literally. kick you, I guess. Oh, he punched her in the face. Oh, he did. That's right. Yeah, he gave her the Toma special. Yeah. Um, the other problem I have with this entire thing is they were emphasizing how just how big of a deal the relationship between Iris and Hibana was. Just, like, because they... And I thought that was fascinating, by the way. Because they... Because they kind of cemented sort of like a Batman and Joker situation. Like, kind of a relationship or dynamic. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like... Whereas, like, they were both the product of one bad day, they, but then, whereas one is trying to work desperately hard to figure out and make sense of it all, that would be Iris in this situation, Hibana completely surrendered herself to the insanity and said, no, there is no meaning to any of this, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna submit to it and just not care about anything, to Mm -hmm. hell, to hell with everyone and everything, where, so, it, it should, it would have felt more appropriate if Iris actually had more to do with how Hibana was beaten in the end. But she contributed almost nothing, yeah, it feels they, like. They she kind of just sat in the corner. They could have had Iris end up being the one to distract her yeah. so that Shinra could land the final blow. Yeah, like her, like kind of seeing like her, seeing her like kind of a begging, like or seeing her like kind of crying or something. Just mm. trying, enough to kind of remind her of like times that had gone by. Like her, it would have been... It would have been a lot more rewarding in that situation, but mm. she contributed almost nothing. She was like a damsel that he needed to save, and that wasn't any fun. Mm-mm, not at all. It's kind of a boring character. It, it, I, I was really interested in Iris's backstory, and I and like I know, her backstory. Yeah, I know, I, and she obviously she's not a fighter. Yeah, I get that. That's it, that's fine. Yeah, just her being uh, like an ass to save. You know, yeah. Yeah, it it feels kind of like later Bleach episodes mm. with how they do that shit. I, I will say though the. Uh, the sequence where she used the Sakura tree. Oh, that was really cool visually. That, that was really cool and also really tragic when you think about it. Because, like, what's the first thing, or what's the thing in, like, one of her flashbacks they highlight the most? A big-ass Sakura tree outside mm-hmm. the um, outside the orphanage. That's pretty fucked up, actually. I, I thought that was a really cool way of incorporating uh, kind of elements of her past and how she can't entirely mm-hmm. let go of it. I really hope this is just a stumble. Yeah, I think so. Which, because, like, it's happened before, obviously. Uh, we've had, like, one or two episode stumbles, and then the rest of the show is great. Yeah, absolutely. I really, really hope this is, because this is easily my favorite opening of the season. Oh, yeah. It's just uh, so Burnout ass. Syndrome. Wait, is it Burnout Syndromes? I don't remember what the, uh, what the yeah. song is called, but it's just, it's such a good opening, like, the... Yeah. It's a self-contained story. Oh, yeah. And the and, song is really yeah, good, Yeah, Miss Green Apple. Yeah, that's a really good song. But, but yeah, I, I really hope next week is better. Yeah, it just felt like... This just felt like a sort of a really unfulfilling conclusion. Oh, to I it. really like the gag at the end. <gasps> oh, that the was really... He's looking all dramatic, and he's like... I'm ready. I'll be over there soon. <laughs> oh wait, it's already over. <laughs> that, yeah, because he spent way too much time preparing. And okay, I kind of get that. Uh, that this is from the maker of Soul Eater. They kind of have like a kind of zany humor every once in a while. Like that's just how Soul Eater did. But at the same time, it felt a little bit too cheesy and unfulfilling. Like with how just immediately heel turned uh, Hibana was yeah, at the very yeah. end. So next up is Fruits Basket. Hiro Soma, 
I oh my god, this I is love such this a roller coaster. I I like his character. Don't get me wrong. Like I was just like they were every moment he was on screen. I was just kind of smiling just because <laughs> he was so. The writing is really good there. Just, yeah, because he was just so bitingly sarcastic yeah. and just downright he was just a shitty kid but and sometimes i'll admit i was smiling just because of how uncomfortable it was just like (laughs) yeah go ahead and hit me go to jail for child abuse yeah just (laughs) it just he's he's such an unrepentant little brat and i loved every second of it so so i started off as soon as he showed up, I was like, okay, I hate him. Mm-hmm. And, then, and then they showed a little bit of his backstory. He's like, oh, I kind of feel bad for him. And then I hate him again. And, and then uh, eventually we come to realize that he's such an asshole just because he's a product of the Soma clan. Yeah, he's, really. and, he's also, and he's also a kid. Yeah, he's also just, and he recognizes that, which is, I think is a really nice moment of self-reflection mm-hmm. or self-realization. And I'm just like, yeah, I've still got a lot of growing up to do. Like, And he recognizes that, which is rare for a character like that he he's actually kind of like a young kyo which the series has uh which they other characters had a little bit more of an asshole yeah (laughs) like verbally anyways yeah but uh i don't know we don't know how kyo was when he was when he was a kid he could have been just as just as much of a kind of berating asshole but he's about as i say he's like a young kyo because he's about as much as a male syndre as you can get yeah like with how with how he uh how he dotes on uh kisa when they, when they showed the part where he, 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 they revealed that he was jealous. Yeah. Of, um. Of Toru. Toru. It, it really clicked in my head. Like, okay, this is why he's been doing all this. He's, he, he's a kid. Yeah. When kids are jealous, they act out, obviously. And, and because compound, they don't, they're dealing with, they're dealing with complex yeah. emotions that they really don't know how to process. And then you compound that with the fact that he caused uh well or i wouldn't say he caused that's not fair uh what him what what he said mm-hmm. may, uh, ended up with uh w- with kisa getting hurt by uh by akito uh, akito yeah and it just every everything i hear about akito really makes me hate him See, more and, and more. this is a thing that just points out just how much of a reprehensible human being akito is mm-hmm. because unlike with uh with hatori or yuki in the past this was a lot more devious and calculated. Like this wasn't like lashing out. Uh, this wasn't lashing out directly at uh, at a kid or at uh, directly at uh, Hiro. It was lashing out at the person at the object of his affection, hitting him where it really hurts. Basically, trying to manipulate him and basically see you just say, hey, "You see what happens? You see this? You did this." It's a lot more devious and indirect and. And I personally think a lot more repugnant in that regard, because this is a 10-year-old child, pretty yeah. much. I, I really don't know how they will ever um, redeem, it, redeem Ak- Akito, if they even plan on it. Like, yeah. I don't see how it could be possible. Yeah. Because I don't see any reason good enough for him to do all these things to all these people. I'm I'm per- I'm still not sure if Akito's a him. I personally think um, it might them, be a, yeah, whatever. But anyway, I'm pretty sure we'll find that out eventually, but uh but I think it's kind of but yeah, like I like I was saying, that was a lot more of a repugnant action. That's probably the worst thing I think I've seen Akito do at this point. Yeah, and just, just beat been, a child. Yeah, beat a child just to make another child feel guilty. That's pretty messed up. Just, I like the um, I like the ending. Oh yeah, this episode a lot. Just uh, a hero 
kind of coming to terms with emotions, realizing that Toru really is just this nice person. Yeah, she's a bit of an airhead, but she's done a lot of really good mm-hmm. things. She's not really even trying to, is the thing. I think she's just being a legitimate... Like, yeah, she's being true to her ideals. Yeah, she's just being a good person. Just for the values. sake. Of, yeah, just for the sake of being a good person. She's There's no like ulterior motives or anything. And she's not really even trying to help people. They just kind of are helped by just being around her. Mm-hmm. She wants she she wants people to be happy. Yeah, exactly. Which I think is really mm-hmm. which I thought was a really cool way of resolving that entire bit. And she even acknowledges how adorable his uh how adorable his crush is. <laughs> like it's like he's like he's kind of a he's kind of a like he's got a crush in the most adorable and he's expressing it in the most adorable way possible. Mm-hmm. <laughs> if by adorable you mean verbally abusive towards you, which I, I really hope that they don't just 180 his character and make him really nice i really hope he's just still an asshole yeah i kind i still want him to be like a snarky little brat yeah like obviously not as much yeah exactly like but but still yeah that's but yeah he's 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 a kid but he's really smart for his age he's pretty wise beyond his years pretty forced too i think yeah yeah i agree because he kind of had to force himself to grow up which i think that in and of itself is sad the the soma clan just continues to just prove how shitty they are as people. And I don't even think we've scratched the surface. I am absolutely 100% looking forward to seeing how Hattori and uh, Shigure are going to basically make uh, make Akito suffer for what they've done. Yeah, there's going to be a lot happening, I feel like. like mm-hmm. I think they're taking this first season to introduce all the characters. Yeah. yeah and slowly build up the cast, kind of make you feel for... Toru, yeah, and realize what kind of character she is, mm-hmm. and I think yeah, I think the second season is probably where we're gonna start getting into the 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 deeper plot of the Soma family. Absolutely. So next up on our list, oh Ma- oh maidens in your savage season. Just when I thought that this series couldn't get more adorably uncomfortable, it just continues to press on that. And I say that because this series is just setting up a lot of really fascinating self-contained stories with these girls. Mm -hmm. But then it's also resolving them in some... And making just some of the more... Just touching on some really uncomfortable topics. Like, I know I've said this pretty much ad nauseum. Hongo's... Hongo's came to a head this week, and I thought that was super uncomfortable. Like, her basically trying to intentionally seduce her teacher. and Backfiring. Like, yeah, and <laughs> him not going for it. I was worried for a second. It's like, oh, shit. He's, like, is this going to be one I of those? I still think it's possible that he's going to end up getting... Mm. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I, I hope not. I like Because hope... he's hesitating, it looks like. I think that he's more just trying to prove a point that she's still just a child. Like, I think... I think that's more what he's going for. Like she's still a child, and until she learn until she learns about this stuff, like in a more healthy way, then she's always going to be a child. Mm-hmm. I think that's more what it is. But do you know the kind of show this is? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like so, so, Momoko pretty much confirmed lesbian at this point. Okay, like this <laughs> this episode, like pretty much spelled it out for everyone. Yeah. It's so it's obvious pretty much to everyone now. Except Momoko, I think Momoko is the only person who's not aware like, oh, that she's girls a are so much prettier. Why do we? Why are we with boys? Yeah, and then even saying like she's like Sugawara is the prettiest boy I've ever seen, and even Sonazaki going, huh? <laughs> there, there was a like one second 
part near the end where I think it was going through what the girls were doing. Mm-hmm. Uh, Momoko puts on puts a like a I'll, shirt on onto Sugawara and she kind of like stops and stares at her neck. Yeah, and it's like oh wow. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, Momoko is most definitely concerned yeah. confirmed to be a lesbian at this point. So I think point. it's a one of the, it's a really good angle to take here for one of the characters. Yeah, exactly. Like I was I was kind of expecting that. I was hoping for it and I'm glad that they're I'm glad that they're showing that it is kind of a that it is a process of discovery. One in 5 girls is a lesbian. <laughs> I uh, look to your left. Look to your right. <laughs> one of those people may be a lesbian. Yeah. <laughs> you might marry a lesbian. <laughs> Uh, but I think that that, I think that the, the really cool thing they're doing about it is showing that it is like that. Not every person has this all figured out from the get go. It is very much a process of discovery and not even a, always a cut and dry process either. Like her dealing with an incredibly annoying, boorish guy. Oh yeah. <laughs> I, I don't, contacting her. I don't like that guy. Yeah. I don't think he's a bad kid. I think he's just he's a, a kid. He's a dumb fucking kid. He's a dumb teenage boy. Yeah. And yeah, but at I the still same, have a bad taste in my mouth from the whole like, oh, I paid for your meal. Yeah. I, situation. it's such a cringe. It's <laughs> a, it, it's it's just it's some of those things that you look back on and think like oh shit did I ever do that as a teenage boy I probably did I think it's honestly good for Momoko that he's not a good boyfriend yeah because it's helping her realize that she doesn't like boys yeah I think so I and they only went on I wouldn't necessarily call them boyfriend and girlfriend because they only went out on really one date I think they're kind of dating. Um, I don't understand teenage politics. I, I don't either. But anyway, I the other thing that kind of uh, left a sort of, oh shit, awkward taste in my mouth was uh, was Sonazaki. Because one minute, I'm absolutely in love with just how like adorable her like how big she's, how she's being just a teenage girl yeah uh, how adorable her big dumb like her big dumb smile is when she's looking at the text messages from her boyfriend and the next minute just going into this complete holier than thou monologue yeah. like <laughs> just because i have a boyfriend now i'm suddenly the master of relationships and nobody else gets them but me just like oh god and then um and then immediately subverting that with kind of just treating her you're like treating this guy coldly in public like i feel Uh, bad for this guy so in her head she's thinking like oh it's fine like i'll make it up later Mm -hmm. but i'm sure it's really weighing on this guy like he's legitimately thinking she doesn't want to be with him like and all right and that's not at all how she sees it like she's like she's not letting him like she's not letting him in on her plans like what she's actually planning on doing which he she very much should do like at the very least and say like like just communicate with her because I get where she's coming from and and why exactly she's doing what she's doing. She's never really she's never had much confidence in herself and stuff like that and she thinks it's possibly just going to make people laugh at her or even worse laugh at him now, which and I don't think she necessarily wants that, which so she's basically trying to keep some degree of distance until she feels the time is right. Mm-hmm. I get that. I don't necessarily agree with or respect her how she's approaching it, but I get it. Throw him a bone. <laughs> uh, yeah, exactly. Um, and then it's and then getting into more like just like the sort of uh, like the love triangle now because it's official. Uh, We've got a love so, triangle. I was so worried about this. I don't think that, that it's handled. I don't think it's handled poorly. Is no, no, thing. no. I wasn't worried about the writing. I was just worried about Sugawara ending up liking him. Yeah, because it's like I, I like. 
she's supporting uh, Kazusa and pushing her towards it, but then she also likes him. I don't think she's going to go for it. Yeah. But also she might, because she has a really shitty role model. Oh, God, yeah. <laughs> like, she's just like, yeah, I know, people love each other, no one has to be tied down, fucking do it. Yeah, exactly. Just that he she, he is, like, the worst possible. And that whole sequence when he's like, I, she's like, I want you to kiss me. I don't feel anything. He's like, well, there must be somebody else that you like. Well, you should go for them. Like, I think the thing that kind of accentuates how tragic that this whole situation is, is because she has admitted, like, that Kazusa is, like, probably the first person she's ever truly considered a friend. And she wants to help her friend. And she feels kind of, and that's why her big thing is she felt betrayed when her friend, when she thought that, Oh, I'm just gonna. She would think that I'm just gonna steal this guy away from you now, like stuff like that. And then and Kazusa like genuinely apologizes for all of it. And yeah, it says that she wants to actually go for him. Mm-hmm. And I think that moment was like the moment that Sugawara was like, ah, shit, shit. <laughs> yeah, I I like that little sequence too at the end when uh, when she throws him like the retro keychain of the train, like for two reasons. One, it was just a it was a cute little awkward teenage gesture. Two, because, like, the relevance it had in her past, like, she was, like, that whole sequence of uh, her throwing a ball, but not Mm. throwing it very far, but then Izumi doing it, and she finally is able to basically throw as far as Izumi was now. I I was worried Izumi was going to fall out the window. Yeah. (laughs) He was going to reach out and catch it and then fall down. I was worried it was going to, I was worried it was going to fall, like, and he'd have to go, and he would, and she would probably get despondent over that. Yeah. But no, it was actually handled in a pretty cute way. I I like this episode. Like there, everything seems to be revolving around the culture festival, as is typical of any Japanese rom com. Yeah, it, it's gonna reach ahead. That's not gonna be pretty. I feel like. Yeah, but that's I, just part of growing up. Yeah, it's unfortunate, but that is part of growing up. So next up is Vinland Saga. God, this episode was dark. Oh my god, yeah. I I felt. Like, I never felt more, like, I haven't felt this bad at, like, an ending, like, just how bleak it was since I fucking watched Requiem for a Dream. Yeah, just seeing that Thorfinn is so deep in the hole of revenge that he's willing to do anything, and he's almost lost his original, well, he he, he hasn't lost his original goal. Mm-hmm. It's to, uh, kill, uh, Askeladd? Askeladd. It's to kill him. But he refuses to do it unless Askeladd accepts a duel. Because, yeah. you know, like, his... He doesn't want to soil his father's name. Exactly. But the thing the thing is, he's going through this in such a, like, a terrible way. Because he's throwing everyone uh, away. Like, I, I... I almost feel like if it came to his family at this point, he'd end up, like, throwing his family away. I think... I think the most tragic part about that as well is, like... Like, you could tell, like, how legitimately guilty he felt. Like, he even told her, like, the English woman who found him, just run. Run as fast as you can. And try to get her to get away. Like, before basically setting the hut on fire and signaling the Vikings to come. Just that entire sequence when she just is watching him on the beach and she's crying. That, that, that realization in her head, like, if I didn't help this kid, if I let him die then we might have had a better chance against I, these Vikings. See, I don't necessarily think it was 100% that. I think it was I think it had more to do with the fact that she was just more sad at the fact that a kid was doing something like this because she made that a point like 
it's not normal for such a young kid to be a mm-hmm. pirate in the first place. So I think she was more, she wasn't necessarily crying for her a lot in life. She was crying more for his, I think more than anything else. I think she was just more legitimately upset that such a young boy had to, has to do or is doing the things that he's doing and just what brought him to this point. I think that's more what she's upset about because mm-hmm. she's talked because she brought that up before. Like it's not normal for a kid to be a pirate. Um, and also, also she talks about how it's important to be a good Christian and stuff like that. And I think she was legitimately just pitying this kid, like, and she legitimately just wanted to help this kid. And unfortunately it got her killed, but got her and a bunch of other people killed. Yeah. I think like the most bleak part of that is just when Thorfinn like sees her just kind of vanish, Mm -hmm. like into the crowd. And he just kind of takes a moment breathes in, literally swallows his emotions, and then runs up with the rest of the crew. That, that was just like, Jesus. Yeah. Uh, on the action side, this episode was so good. Yeah. Just seeing Thorfinn's slow progression to learning his fighting style. Yeah, exactly. Like, we'd kind of touched on, uh, we touched on that a little bit last episode when he's figuring out, okay, I can't swing around a big sword, I guess I'll use a dagger. I can throw daggers. And him just, like, gradually getting better with the dagger, like, actually seeing him kill his first person. Yeah, that uh, I feel so bad for this uh, this woman's vocal, vocal cords. Yeah, just Jesus. <laughs> she does such a good job. With, it's such uh, a visceral, like animalistic scream. Yeah, uh, and I really liked the the reveal of how he got a second dagger. He was he about to die. Oh, shit, I, I, I should use two. It's better. Yeah, and then like seeing like him like kind of trying new things in battle, like switching his daggers around, like switching out how he holds them, mm-hmm. stuff like that. That was all. That was all really cool. Like, Thorfinn is a legitimately interesting protagonist. Like, he's a simple protagonist. Like, it's about as simple as you can get. He's just... Revenge story. Yeah, but it's still fascinating. Like... And there's even the point where he throws the dagger to save Askeladd from the attack from behind. Yeah. And, like, it's not just wanting Askeladd to die. It's He has to kill him in a duel. Yeah, he... Which ironically is what's uh, what Askeladd is relying on because he because tr- he knows that Thorfinn is a good warrior or he was he was going to He's got be. the blood of the uh, the troll of Yom I yeah. think his name was yeah in his veins and so he's tr- and he's banking on this kid which is basically what's keeping him kind of chained up to this life in the first place which God this episode just made it even more bleak his situation like. Once again, just seeing him running off into the crowd was just absolutely haunting. Like, ugh, God, I'm not going to get over that image for a while. Yeah, I think he he has an interesting edge in combat. Well, obviously he is like a he, he's a smaller person. Yeah, but he does. He's a kid. Yeah. So I think there's a lot of times where people are going to not expect him to be as strong as he is oh yeah like and because they even illustrated that uh when he was just play fighting with his friends like he was ridiculously strong for a kid like he was breaking their arms and stuff but yeah he's quite strong for a for such a young kid and he's also a smaller target so yeah uh, the with studio mm-hmm. really good at choreography yeah <laughs> and it, it's just really cool seeing him like duck around attacks and, and then like jump up and stab people yeah exactly that was so that entire sequence where he basically just like we bob and weaves around and stabs him yeah i i love this uh i loved this episode i'm yeah. loving this but, series but yeah like we said earlier it's just so dark yeah just that ending like uh, after we like after we finished watching the episode we just looked at each other and went 
wow, that was so <laughs> dark. Yeah, it, and it's it was really interesting uh, and art wise how when he's in the house with the people, mm-hmm. his face, he, like his eyes are bigger, mm-hmm. and he's uh, he's kind of like more just relaxed. Yeah, and but whenever you see him just put all his emotions inside his eyes get narrower and he just has like this angry face on him yeah exactly i i thought it was a i think it was a kind of a sweet moment that eventually turned incredibly sad when you just see like the lady talking to him while she's brushing his hair like talking about like how uh how she lost a son who would who would have been his age and stuff like that it's just like oh jesus Mm -hmm. like just make me feel just make me feel worse about this but it felt organic. But it felt organic enough to where I wasn't like bothered for it. This was a. This is how you do tragedy well and do it right. You don't just make it edgy just for the sake of it being edgy. Oh yeah. This is this is dark. Like not edgy. There is a difference. So anyway, that's gonna wrap it up for this week's episode of the Timesync Anime Podcast. It has been a. Like I think that this is officially what I would call the uh, the climactic the climax week pretty much because I think this is where all the major like all I I think most of the series anyway are all the major events are being set into motion like with uh, with Vinland Saga finally picking up into what I think it's going to be for that um, Oh Maidens like setting up for its uh, res- resolution of everything that's going on I'd say yeah, that it's usually like episode eight or nine is when. Yeah. The big thing happens. Yeah, exactly. And then everything else is just the resolution. We're kind of approaching the end of Act 2 is basically where I would say it. Or at least for most of the series this season. This is the end of Act 2, finally getting into, like, the climax and resolution. Intermission. Go get your snacks. Yeah, intermission. Go take a pee if you have to. Yeah. (laughs) Reminds me of that bit from Kung Pao when uh, the intermission part came up. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) This would be a... If you guys got any comments uh, about what we watched this week, anything you think we should be watching, go ahead and let us know in the comment of blah blah blah. Yeah, uh, follow us on follow us on Kitsu. You'll find us there in the um, uh, in the description. Yeah. We have our links to our to our pages. Talking about those public shows. Yeah, I write about stuff constantly. I have I haven't been uh, I haven't been like writing about random stuff. I've just mainly been doing episode reviews, but. Anyway, so that's going to be it for this week. It's been a lot of fun. It's been a lot of fun watching this season, and I hope you guys are having a great time like we are. Until next time, take care of yourselves.